It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. I think we're on. This is the Flow Shock Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. If you're watching live, thank you for staying with us. Got a little bit of a late start, but I think we are ready to roll here. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Doing good. Uh, good weekend. Uh, had the NYC Marathon. It was fun. Got some uh, interesting storylines come out of that race. But overall, you know, I'm excited for this week. We have NCAA Cross Country going on. This Friday, so that's exciting to see who's going to go to Tallahassee. We had an incredible New York City Marathon. Uh, my Eagles didn't win, but that's okay because my Sixers, as you know, are in first place in the NBA. And for those who have been loyal listeners to, the pod, to this pod, they know there's only two things in life that matter. Watching and caring about running and the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. So. That's true. That's true. And if you're confused because there's a picture of Ryan Krauser, if you're watching on YouTube, associated with this podcast, it's not your fault. You're not crazy. Ryan Krauser did not run the New York City Marathon. I want to get make that clear up front. He, he did not run it. But he's a great athlete. Just forgot to change the picture there. Uh, let's dive in, shall we? New York City Marathon. Gordon, I caught you off guard last week when I was like on the preview, I said, what's your big thing that you're thinking about here? And then you went on and named nine things. So I'm gonna do the same thing again, cause that worked so well last time. Big takeaway, Gordon, what was it? Okay, so the big takeaway from an American, cause I am an American, is what Molly Seidel did. I mean, her fourth place finish, American course record. She has yet to have a bad marathon. Uh, she told a story about how she broke her ribs a few months ago and was dealing with that. Nothing can stop this woman, man. Like, you, the sky is now the limit. You, we talk about, like, oh, what can Molly do when she makes her debut and makes her first Olympic team? Oh, maybe it's a one-off. And then you're like, wait, you're getting third at the Olympics. Oh, that's a once-in-a-lifetime race. Wait, now you're lowering your time down to 224, getting fourth at a yeah. major. Like, these are no longer flukes. This is consistency, and she's only 27, I think. She may be 28, but I think she's 27. She's going to be the star for the next – If again, if you stay healthy because that's the ultimate challenge as an elite marathoner is being healthy, mm. being able to get to the start line. But provided she does that, I'm, she's going to have – she's going to win a major in her, in her career. She'll probably win more than one maybe. She's only 27. She's like – 10 years of this. She's going to win at least more than one major. She's going to make the Olympics again. Like, you can just already start thinking, like, there's a chance she could become the poster child for women's marathoning 10 years from now. Like, no, she's not there yet. There's still other people like Dina Castor. She's got her 
her records, Shalane Flanagan, Des Linden, a few others have done their do have earned their reputation for their long careers. But if Molly starts the way she's starting now and continues for the next, you know, five to seven years, she's gonna be looked back as maybe the best US marathoner of all time. Like I know it's crazy to put that expectation on someone who's only won four times, but yeah. When you're four for four and you're four for four in uh, Olympic trials and Olympic games, a London marathon and a New York City marathon, it's pretty good. She's not doing some rinky dink like local uh, marathon. She's 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 running with the big the big girls out there and she's she's running extremely well. Now, nothing to take away. I mean, she still got fourth. It's not like she was neck and neck with Jeff Chircher, who went on to win, but her progress is showing consistency of moving up and up and up. And now every time she's on the starting line, you're thinking she's a top three contender, which you were not saying in, in uh, January of 2020. <laughs> the right. Think about what Molly was in January of 2020, right before the pandemic. And now all of a sudden what she's become, it's just like day and night. And it's incredible. Oh, I, 100% agree. She's the best women's marathoner in the country right now. I don't think that's up for much debate. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. And I think she's on the trajectory to enter that very small group of women's marathoners because this is the start. The bar is so high to do what Caster did, Joan Benoit Samuelson, Flanagan, Linden. To do what they did, it requires a pretty substantial body of work. And she's on that path. She has that start now. She already has the Olympic medal. Now she has a fourth place in New York City. She made a team. Eventually, yeah, she's going to have to win a major. But this is the type of start you need to even be considered to be in that conversation. And I'm just so impressed with how... She's right where she needs to be at all moments through this race. Yeah, she didn't come away with the victory, but you just see her running so confidently throughout these these races. And it's it in the Olympics, you just hung around and hung around and hung around to the point where I'm watching in New York City. And we talked about this before the race. If she finishes top five, it's not a surprise. Top three, not a surprise. The only hugely surprising thing would have been if she beat Jeff Chircher in my mind, but we talked about, hey, she was less than 30 seconds back from her at the Olympics. So she just, she runs like she belongs because she belongs now. And the expectation now going into all these races is, you know, how we're watching because she's been so consistent is, hey, she's just always going to be a factor. She's always going to be a factor in these races. And she has the chance now, I think you're right. If she just stays consistent, the opportunity is going to avail itself to her, be it in a Boston, another New York, an Olympics even, right? She's put herself in that conversation to to grab one of those majors. And that's that's a prerequisite, one of the prerequisites to be in the conversation. But yeah, you take where she was in 2020 to now, has anybody had a bigger rise in any singular event than Molly Seidel? No. I can't think of one on the American side. It's incredible. Maybe Fred Curley in the 100 meters. <laughs> But uh, even because you went from like, uh, what's this guy doing to all of a sudden being one of the top three hundred meter runners in the world. Yeah. But for Molly, I think the, the, the not concern, but the challenge that Molly's going to have, and maybe I'm sure her team and her coaches are kind of talking about this with her. I'm sure she thinks about it is she's been able to kind of ride on, I got nothing to lose mantra, right? Oh, it's my first Olympic trials. I got nothing to lose. It's my first Olympics. I got nothing to lose. Hey, I just ran the Olympics, New York City. There's no pressure. I'm not, this is just like the second race of a crazy back-to-back -back in the fall season. Nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. So she has this like style of like, hey, I'm, I'm running on house money. But eventually, there's going to be more and more expectation now on her. And I, I think especially in 2022, and 2023 and especially in 2024 you know she's gonna be the one that everyone is picking to win or be the top american she's gonna be the one that everyone is like how fast can you go and everyone's gonna be drilling down where like we're gonna be like she's gonna get seventh in a race and we're gonna call it a disappointment because 
we're going to be expecting top three or bust every time she enters the field because she's that talented and she's shown it over the past yeah. four races. So I think that's going to be the next challenge is the mental aspect of fans and media, people like us, uh, who will put more expectations on her. And that's just part of being good, right? I mean, once you enter that next level of greatness, people want to only see greatness, right? And so it's yeah. kind of have to deal with the expectations. So I think that her next marathon is going to be definitely a challenge mentally because she's going to be the face of it for, from the American perspective. And it'll be like, can an American win? And it's going to be yeah. on Molly winning. You know, she's yeah. going to be representing America's hope of winning a, another major since, I guess, was Dez well, the last one been, or was it Shalane? It was Dez. Right? Yeah, was the last one. Dez, but, that, but that's the good thing about this from her perspective, the timing. She doesn't have the 30-year streak that she has to break. Flanagan sure. and Linden have come before her. Hase's run a bunch of top three races and been in the mix a lot. Amy Craig's medaled at the World Championships. Kara Goucher's run well. There's all these women in this past five to ten years. And if you want to even go back to to Castor, although I kind of see Castor's, you know, that kind of a break between the two eras. There was a break between the two eras there for a bit. Who have shown that they can succeed. So there's less weight of expectations from the perspective of history and more just hey this is just about you this is about where you are going to fit in into this into this hierarchy i get your point about pressure but shouldn't there have been pressure on her after the olympics she went and got bronze and i get how you can minimize it in your head of eh, i'm doubling back doubling back like it's 100 200 <laughs> doubling back a few months later but she still came in as the Olympic bronze medalist. She's still introduced as the Olympic bronze medalist. She's still appearing at the press conference and getting questions as if she is the, the, the favorite American, which she was in this race. I get your point. I just think she seems to handle pressure well. I think we have enough evidence that she can handle pressure well. She's going to come into the spring marathons as the bronze medalist and the woman who got fourth and has run the fastest time ever for an American in New York City. But I just feel like she has such a good... Every time you hear her talk, it seems like she has such a great perspective and keeps everything so balanced that, yeah, she's going to have a bad race because everybody other than Ilya Kipchoge has had a bad marathon in their career. So she's going to inevitably have one. But the good days are going to outweigh the bad days, I think. I, I do think, though, she still has yet to be going into a race where people are putting expectations or thoughts that she can win. Like no one was saying Molly might win the New York City Marathon. And I think when no when you don't go into the race thinking that people are want you to win, it's not as much pressure. I do think though, whether she runs Boston in 2022 or the next fall, there's gonna be like, can she win? Like no one was saying can Molly win through the first four. But now the fifth of marathon, people are gonna yeah. be saying, Can Molly win? But I think a lot of that depends on who else is in the field. For people who are actually paying attention, it depends who's on the field. Because this this fall, if she had run in one of these other majors, I think that would have been a more valid question. London, I think, would have been too much to ask with Cosguy and Jep Cosguy in there. But Boston field, looking at the resumes, people wouldn't have been crazy to say, can she win? Chicago, you obviously have Chep Negich out there but she had dnf'd at the olympics coming back and then we knew the field after her wasn't very deep so it wouldn't have been unreasonable to say hey molly molly can probably win we just know what to expect from her and in a marathon that's so hard to do uh but i do see your i do see your point as just it's another step up basically to go wh where she's gone before but just i mean she entered the thing trials is still a high pressure race even though you are making a debut London Marathon, I guess since that was a weird year, a weird course, it was just a bonus race. It was thrown in there like two months before they announced that they're having a race in London because everything is canceled. Yeah, you get your expectations low. But then you go into the Olympics, I guess you're just, you have a nothing to lose attitude and then you can say the same thing about New York City because you're just doing them in quicker succession. But yeah, it's incredible. Uh, at the front of the, uh, front of the pack, uh, Jim Chichard gets the win. 
again, I think we're setting up for a fun 2021 between her, Cosguy, and Jeff Cosguy. I think those three. 2022. Are, 2022. Excuse me. I'm on the wrong. I'm on the wrong. Daily time. Daily savings year. Producer, that we're dealing with. Yeah. Producer Colts on the wrong hour. That's why we're late. I'm on the wrong time a year. We're, we're all discombobulated. No. Uh, hey, I mean, Perez Jepcherchur did what she had to do coming in. It was not a dominant performance, but the rest of the field was really good. And her finishing kick in that last stretch was mighty impressive. And she and she got the win. And not every marathon is going to be one where you assert your dominance at 30K or you run away from the field after the halfway mark. Sometimes in the current state of marathoning where it's so deep, some of it requires that last finishing burst. And she ran away from Vila Cheptu, um and and got the victory. So, I, I yeah, I think 2022 is all going to be about sorting out who's the best woman between her, Cosguy, and Jeff Cosguy. And it's going to be interesting, though, because 2022, we're not going to have many spring marathons, right? Because London has moved one more year to the fall. It's just Boston that's really going to be that, yeah. s- that marquee spring marathon for people to get at. And yeah. maybe it makes sense because everyone, you know, was packed up into this fall season that maybe – more people are going to want to take off in the spring and kind of reset their gears for fall and then kind of be really back on their normal schedules. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how the elite um, field dynamic breaks down in 2022 with a still unconventional schedule, right? Because we know Tokyo is happening, but that's still on pins and needles, right? Because they canceled yeah. it. It's, it's on the paper now for March, but I don't, you know, I wouldn't put my money on it with the way things are always yeah. going. We think it's good, and then they're out. So, uh, but yeah, that those those three are going to be the three to watch, and hopefully we get to see them race each other, and they don't all win their respective marathons, and we have to think, all right, who was the best in twenty twenty two? You kind of want to hopefully see a race where all three are at it at yeah. the same time. Well, and we could have the reverse effect of what we have had this fall. Because if we just have Boston in the spring, maybe everybody goes to Boston. I know there's other options out there. There's Tokyo, potentially. There's all these other non-world marathon majors that attract top talent, but maybe we have a reversal. Maybe Boston gets the Amex card out, gets the checkbook out, and just says, this is it. We are hosting the world's greatest marathon because London is not here to compete with us so on the men's side and on the women's side we're going to have ridiculously deep fields we're going to have these top three women we're going to have molly seidel on the men's side we're going to put together an epic race for the ages because there is no competition and we have the spring all to ourselves do it boston marathon do you think uh i'm not sure if this was asked in her press conference is molly gonna take the spot of at world champs has she decided that I didn't see. I'm assuming yes, but I did not see because she. I'm is also, the, I might well, be. The, a, the seed stayed the same. Yeah, I might assume maybe no. I think she might be now like at a level where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm already an Olympic bronze medalist. Maybe yeah. I should not put a marathon under my legs in July and get fresh for a fall marathon to run fast in, in London or Chicago or New York again. So I could see her being like, hmm. maybe if you asked me two years ago, I would have been like begging for that, that spot on the world team. But now after these four marathons and I'm kind of the, yeah. the top dog in U.S. women's marathoning, I kind of can maybe say no. I mean, Rupp kind of has a reason because Rupp's career is pretty much – near the end of it it's kind of he kind of wants to have a maybe a way to kind of button it up at the end and run in home you know in eugene but for molly her career is just getting started i feel like she's going to think there's a lot more opportunities out mm-hmm. there in the marathoning than just this one 2022 world champs so i could see potentially molly saying no but again i'm not don't quote me i'm just that's just my personal thing of speculating thinking well she, she might want to just go all in and try to run a fast in London or go to Chicago. And I don't know. So Yeah, and if you go April, 
with Boston and then you go summer and then you go fall pretty quick succession. Lot, yeah. I could see, I could yeah. see someone not doing that, but may, maybe she decides not to do, not to do a spring marathon. I hope not. I want to see everybody in spring right now. That's what people need to realize about track and field marathon. doesn't matter. hundred and marathon. If you have a good matchup, do it now. It's not guaranteed to be there next season or two years down the line. Get it now. I want to see it. I was super impressed, um, obviously by Jep Chircher, but Viola Cheptu, Gordon, 2.22.44 in her debut, only five seconds back of Jep Chircher. She was running 1500s up until 2019. Because I remember her from Florida State. Do you remember her from Florida State? Yeah. 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 And then she went on to make uh, the Kenyan Olympic team in the 1500 as well. Very solid runner, but I never saw her and was like, oh, for sure roads for sure marathon that's going to be it and then you go back and you look at her her recent history it's like what jumped out uh what jumps off the page here in terms of signs that she would have been this solid at the marathon and really there's just one she ran a good half two years ago 66 high but that was pretty much it that was pretty much it 2020 she runs she runs 6647 in Napoli. That's it. I mean, going into this year, she she ran on the track a couple times, some 5k's, some 10k's, then some uh some 10k's on the road. The half that she did as a tune-up was 6913. I was just I was just blown away that she was in there. Cool moment because Bernard the Got brother was calling the race and you could tell he was trying not to freak out. I don't know. I don't know if he anticipated her being that good, uh, but it was, I mean, it was something to, to behold there. And she's a star. She's already, I mean, first, first one to go that well for you, it just bodes well for the future for her. Yeah. I mean, it's a hell of a debut, 222.44. Uh, it sets you up well for the second half of your career. She's 32 years old. So she probably has a good five years left, right? Because mm-hmm. once you get to the opposite, I feel like 36, 37 is kind of like the end point for most marathoners. Obviously, mm-hmm. we have the ones who go into their 40s, but, you know, they're more the the outliers. But, yeah, I mean, it's a good starting point for her for going into this next Olympic cycle. And I'm sure she's probably thinking, hey, I turned 33 in, in, a, in March. You know, I'll be... She'll be 35, I guess, in 2024. That could be one last shot to make an Olympic team. Has she ever made the Olympics? Yeah, she did in 2016. Yeah, she, yeah. So, in the 1500. In the 1500. She, so make the 2016 and the 2024 Olympics. So very In the 15 in the marathon? 15, yeah. That's, 15 to the marathon. Yeah. Kipchoge. Well, her, <laughs> her, her, her brother had crazy longevity and pretty good range himself, too. The rest of this women's uh, top 10, so you had Johannes behind Seidel in fifth, and then Kellen Taylor of the U.S. in sixth, ahead of Annie Frisbee, who also made a debut, 226.18. She set her half marathon PB twice in this race, Gordon, because she came in with a 75 and change as a PB, and she ran faster than that on both halves. Then you had Laura Thweet in eighth for the U.S. Um, Frisbee's interesting, too. Right, another a, a person who debuted. Remember seeing her uh, at Iowa State. But a lot of these people, they have this long distance talent, this road talent that you never see in college because the farthest they run for a race is six point two miles, and then they do a little bit of training, run some races, and hey, I'm pretty good at twenty six point two as well. Yeah, very impressive for her. It's always good seeing like a new a newcomer come in and run something fast in their first race because you like get you excited for incoming new depth to the u.s women's field because u.s women we would say is very deep right you could go like 10 deep of names and you're like hey, i can see that but when you look at the 10 names there's a bunch of people who kind of have yet to really fulfill like what we thought they would be at the marathon like a molly huddle you're like ah oh, like we're not, you're not seeing the, the, the best of Molly Huddle we thought we would get. Obviously, Jordan's kind of falling off. But you have, like, these other women who are either dealing with injuries. They're kind of on the end part of their careers. So every time you can find a new name, a new body to put in there, 
another sub 228 runner, in this case, a 226 yeah. runner in Frisbee. It gets you excited for the next four years of U.S. women's battling, you know. And I mean, it only took two years, not even like less than two years, for Molly Seidel to like emerge as the ultimate top dog. Yeah. So, uh, what what Ann Frisbee does in 2023 could be incredible. Yeah, Molly though, newer in high school, new in college, had all these big time performances. wasn't without challenges and struggles along the way, obviously, which have been well documented. But like Frisbee, I, I almost felt the same way I did with Lagat, where it's just like, or Cheptu, excuse me, where I, I was like, wait, where? Like, where did this, where did this come from? I know the ages are different too, but I just did, did not see that perform type of performance coming. So yeah, exciting things because the U.S. women already have a lot of star power in the marathon with people like Sisson, right? With, with people like you know, Sally Kipiego, who who struggled in this race, but obviously made the Olympic team. Alphine Tuliamuk, Des Linden is still running. Like, there's a lot of names still there uh, who are who are veterans at this point. And then you're throwing in now these 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 new women into the mix. It's creating a really really deep pool, even deeper than I anticipated. Um, let's talk about Shalane Flanagan though. Two thirty three thirty two. So the fastest of the six. So she completes six marathons in forty two days. Didn't start with the elite field, Gordon, but she ended up being the sixth best American and number twelve and the twelfth fastest time in the whole field. So the only Americans who beat her were Seidel, Taylor, Frisbee, Thweet, and Bruce. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I don't even I don't even know what to call. Is she retired now? Like, is she unretired? The fact that you can do this in between in this weird sort of state where you're you're doing this run for for fun and conceivably and 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 to to challenge yourself. But in the last one, she runs a time and a place that is better than most of the other women in the elite field. It's just incredible. I don't know what to say. Well, here's a question. Like, what is harder to do? What she just did or her, let's look at like Flanagan's like 10 best marathons that she's had in her yeah. career. Yeah. And not just time-wise, but like place-wise. So her best marathon, let's say her best marathon is New York City because she won, right? Yeah. Um, but you take... And then, like, the next best was, like, the Berlin top three, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. You rank them. And so you have her list of her 10 best marathons in her career. Where would this challenge, this six-marathon challenge, rank among those 10 marathons? Would it be in the top 10? Or would it be outside the top 10? Like, is this one of the 10 best things she's ever done at the marathon level? Or is it outside the 10 things she's done at the marathon level? Forget marathon. I think it's one of the ten best things she's done in her running career. You know, throw some of her ten best things she's done. Yeah, I wouldn't put it number one. I wouldn't put it ahead of winning in New York City. But just the sheer confidence and audacity to to pull it off is just incredible. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a mar averaging a marathon a week over a month and a half. That's and then on the last one, she's still able. To run 233 i think it's incredible the back-to-back -back stuff is is amazing i know she's got a long list of stuff to choose from you know so wait you're saying this is a top 10 thing America. you're saying this is a top 10 thing that she's done right oh yeah 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 because you get okay, six for so, the price of one not hold on not not right. just not just the, the one race the, the totality of the six marathons is a top 10 career performance i think yes okay okay let's 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 break this out okay so this is in okay New York City win is better than this, yeah. right? Of course, yeah. Berlin top three, is that better? Yeah. Okay. Olympic silver medalists in 2008. Obviously. Obviously, yes. Okay. Sixth at the Olympics in the marathon in 2016. Mm. I would put her, some of her other track accomplishments ahead of that. Well, I'm not ranking them. I'm just saying, is this better than... Is the, the six marathons better than getting six at the Olympics in 2016? Okay, you answer. Okay, 
answer me this. Did you have to look up that she got sixth or did you remember that she got sixth? I'm looking it up. I have her list yeah. of all My of her top eight point, performances. Yeah. So I'll take this. I'll take this over the six best. Or six you take best. this over to get six of the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. I don't well, think she remember would. this. You're going to remember this a would. lot longer. You're not, again, you had to look up that she got sixth. Not as memorable. This is better. This is better. This is not better than getting six at the Olympics, man. It's not. It is. No, we just think it's better because. Okay, do you think? Well, how many? About, are you about I... mem memorable? Or are you talking about like if I put it in a pace calculator and I figured it out? Like I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about you... impressive. I'm talking about like achievement. What is a bigger achievement? Pulling this off or getting six at the Olympic marathon in 2016? Okay. Well, what's a more impressive achievement? The, it's the Olympic Games six. sixth place finish. Six, okay. Six, Thank right. you. Okay. I would I, argue I, getting I, top I, eight in any world, getting top eight in any, I think 2015, 2000, I'm, look, I'm looking at a list. I don't have this off the top of my memory. 2015, she was sixth in the 10K. 2007, seventh in the five. 11, seventh in the 10. 13, eighth in the 10. I think finishing top eight at a world championship or Olympic Games is, be, is more impressive. But here's my Here's my here's my counter argument to it. Okay, here's my counter argument to it. One, no one's really done it at this level for the women. So she she owns this department in a way she doesn't in those other categories. Two, at a certain point when you've reached the heights that she has, it's just another area to show how good of a runner she is. Right, because this is this isn't like. Eventually, you get fifth and sixth in Boston enough times. It's like, all right, that's understood. You're you're good in that setting. This is just exploring completely unexplored territory. That's that's why I would weight it higher than other things, because eventually you're not adding anything to your resume, right? It's like you doing episodes of Run Junkie. Eventually, you we've seen you do Run Junkie enough times. We want to see you host a podcast. We want to see you produce a documentary film. Now, your episodes of Run Junkie are still great. And maybe more people even watch those episodes of Run Junkie. But we want to see you do something different. And if you're able to do that other thing at a crazy high level and do it in a way that no one's ever done before, people are going to take note. I think you're living what, too here's much a better, moment. Here's a better question. Here's a better question than your question. What do you think she could have run if she was fresh? In this marathon? How about in this marathon? What yeah. place do I think she would have gotten in this marathon? Yeah. If she was fresh, I think she would have gotten... I think she would have gotten seventh. I think she would have been with Annie Frisbee. I think she would have finished... Somewhere between 226 and 227. I think she ran 226, 30. Yeah. 530. She went 536 mile pace. That's what I think she would have run. Okay. Yeah. And that that in and of itself is mighty impressive. The fact that she could have done that a year after. And you're basing that off of all the other marathons that she's done this season. That's given us this. Baseline. Yeah, because like again, what she's doing is impressive. I just think her career is more impressive than this. And I'm trying to, I'm complimenting her career by putting her career above this challenge she did at age 40. I think it's disservice to her career to say something she could do at age 40 is in the same realm around on me. as what she I, did in her prime. I think, I think you're diminishing her prime, her prime by, by elevating her 40 year old performance. I don't think That's her prime's there. over. I think you need to. I think you need to reevaluate her prime because I think she's proven that her, the prime is irrelevant. I'm just. I I'm think her at winning more, an NCA championship, like a three K championship, is more impressive than this. Well, you can think that. That's good. I again, I'm just. I'm looking at it from the perspective of having seen the whole career and knowing, again, like 
you could just go list her Boston Marathon. It's like with Kipchoge, right? Let's just do this thing with, with Kipchoge. Eventually, you're going to put in a couple of his, if you talk about his top 10, you could just do all the marathons and then his gold medal, right? From the track. Yeah. Like, that would be that would be the, the common list. But you're probably going to throw another type of performance in there, like another track race in there, just because at a certain point, all right, yeah, he won London again, and then he won it again. And then he won Berlin again. Like, event, there's not enough, there's not much room to grow. And I'm saying this is a unique space that she and she alone occupies right now. It's like moving up in distance, the ultimate move up in distance. Yeah, but I just think that we are looking at this performance in rose-colored glasses because no one ever, no one's ever done it before. And I think... Yeah. But, like, no one has ever tried to run the, break the 1,284-meter world record. Just because you have the 1,284-meter world record doesn't mean it's your greatest performance of all time. No one's ever done it before. No one's ever run a 1,284-meter. I don't say it was her greatest performance. I would just say, looking back on her career, we'd we'd put it in the top. We'd put it at the back end of the top 10. And listen. If she ran 259 in all these, it would be way different. I think the fact that she's competitive and running low 230s and finishing high up in these fields, especially in this one, is what is what separates it. But yeah, again, what she's doing is okay. impressive. I just think her actual career is more impressive. This is a, her actual career. You, you, yeah, see, you're confused. No, she's this. retired. This she's retired. This is the start she's of retired. I don't know. She's the sixth American woman in this race. It was a pretty good feel. Yeah, but you know, too. you know, no, you're and look, listen. I'm not. I'm not saying that her career wasn't impressive. I like how you did try to turn that around on me, though. Obviously, the New York City Marathon win, the silver in the Olympics, all the records. Um, but like, I I'm skewing. You're right. I'm skewing more towards memorable, is what I'm doing. Yeah, memorable this is definitely memorable. This is a top 10 memorable performance, for sure. Yeah. I'll remember and, this and as, a, like, a thing that she did more than I'll remember a random seventh place at Worlds. Yes, But exactly. I just think the, the talent it takes to get seventh in the 10K at World Championships requires more talent than it does to do this. I know. But I'm just saying there's been a, a ton of American women who have done that, who have finished – seventh well, that's because our system in the, in the, in the encourages people to do that and we designed a, a season that produces that no one has there's no incentive to do what shalane did if i know just, if we set up a, a world a where this was what everyone does everyone would do it. everyone i'm sure kipchoge would go out there and run a 210 marathon you know, know but six times in a row just the whole idea of coming you know being retired coming back and doing this and again, being comp- legit competitive in a lot of these races is is what's made it stand out to me. And it would be different if she was barely scraping under three hours. Sure. But if you just if you said, "Hey, Shalane Flanagan," if I told you before this whole thing started, Shalane Flanagan is going to run six marathons in six weeks, coming out of retirement, and in the last one, she's going to be the she's going to finish twelfth overall and be the sixth American. Again, there's a lot of ways. That's like really hard to compute in your head because you're like, wait a minute, wait, what? She's gonna do this, yeah, she's gonna do that. And he's like, oh, so that means if she was fresh, she would have been eighth or sixth or fifth, whatever. But just again, the fact that she she's able to pull it off, you're right. Maybe other people will try something like this, but right now she stands alone. But you're right. I am skewing more towards memorable than I am just like sheer degree of difficulty but the problem is we don't know the scope of the difficulty because there hasn't been a lot of people who have done this should we talk about the men i think we could both agree she's an incredible athlete what she did this past fall is incredible but she also had an incredible career so yeah oh yeah i'm not taking i'm not taking anything Two away incredible things from the career, as much as you you're, you you want to be like, hey, that indoor three k title at NCAA's, that was it, that was it. Top I'm 10. just saying, I, I don't know. Top top ten performance. It's hard to win no, NCAA's. You gotta be sharp uh, at that moment, you know. Oh, it is hard. It is. It is uh, definitely. I've never difficult. won NCAA's, so 
you know what? We should revisit this argument in like 30 years. And if anybody did it better than her, then maybe we can revise it. Correct? Well, I'm willing to predict no one's going to do this in 30 years. This makes it more impressive. Maybe it's a top five Not performance really. then. Moving on. <laughs> Men's side of things. This race, as predicted, I said it was going to be messy. It ended up being messy. Albert Career gets the win. 208-22. He was the runner-up in 2019, but did not get a lot of love in the pre-race. Uh, El Arabi and Faniel from Morocco and Italy, respectively, took it out and, and were leading. Not They didn't take it out, but they got control of this race and were leading for a good chunk of it. And it was hard to tell what was going on behind them. Obviously, the, the two people we highlighted in the preview, Abdi Nagui and Kennedy Sipikele. Um, finished farther back in fifth and sixth. Um, there's a lot to, I mean, there's a lot of individual performances to di- dissect here, Gordon, in the in the top 10. Obviously, Elkanah Cabet of the U.S. runs a PB to 11-15. Great race for him. But this is one of those races where you had a feeling those two guys weren't going to hold on, but you didn't know what would happen when he got caught. Kibiwat Candy was part of the group that caught him. You're like, okay, this is the dude. He's a half marathon world record holder. He's going to be fine in the back half. And then it took another turn. And then before he knew it, the race was over. And it was very, it went from confusing to very clear very quickly for me. Yeah, career. I mean, he was runner up in 2019. So it kind of makes sense that he would have been in the mix. And it also doesn't make sense why we didn't really talk about him in our previous show. It uh, shows how names can be distracting when looking at elite fields. Like, oh, Bekele, Bekele, Bekele. Oh, let's talk about Ben True. Oh, let's talk about um, Candy. But Correa was just sitting there. Hey, guys, I got second last time we had this race. I'm going to come out here and I'm going to win it. And he did, 208-22. Had a great celebration. Uh, mm. Looked like a little bit of a – when a lanky man celebrates, it's always fun to watch because it's very, like – stick figurey and it was it was kind of it was fun seeing him win he was very thrilled about it uh career and the win I, this is probably his first major win is it his mm-hmm. first major yeah. win. so impressive run for him and uh yeah i was you're right you say like it kind of looked like what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen and then all of a sudden it's like oh this is happening okay yeah yeah, so it had like that unknown, unknown, and then all of a sudden a known with career pulling the way and winning by almost a minute over yeah. a Moroccan athlete. Yeah, because you thought, okay, Candy's got a good shot at this. Candy ended up finishing five minutes behind him in ninth. He yeah. just he completely fell fell apart in the back end. Kabet, that's a big run for him because now he's in position to be on the world championship team. He needed to finish uh, up in that, was it top six? To make sure he had a at a spot, takes care of business there. So congrats to him. Nagui was in fifth. He was back the whole way. Bekele was never a factor. He was never really in this thing. Um, he finishes. Credit to him. Finished both his marathons this fall. He was doing Berlin and New York, but but wasn't in it. Finishes just a second ahead of Ben True, who closed really well, but was farther back at the start. And Nathan Martin of the U.S. eighth to twelve fifty seven, and then as I mentioned, Candy ninth ahead of Jared Ward, who got tenth in two fourteen oh six. You want to talk about Quebec uh, first, and then and then Bekele and True. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, well, I just want to talk about. Maybe I want to talk about Bekele and True, and Bekele beating True by one second is the reason why Ben True won't be on the World Championship team. Uh, let me double check. I don't think so. I, I think he would have been out anyway, but let me check. Because he was seventh, if right? He got, well, he, if you would have beaten Bekele, he would have got six. True would have been six. So, th- okay, that would have tied him with Colin Mikau. And, oh, I think he might have right, actually. What did Mikau run in Chicago? It let me check this out. One second. I, mean, like, I know we did this. You mean like two thirteen? I, right? I thought it was two. It was two thirteen thirty one. Yeah. So Ben True <laughs> losing by one Six. second to Kinesi Bekele is why he is 
not on the world championship team. That Gotta sucks. lean. That Gotta sucks, lean. man. That is. Yeah. Oh, Do you think he would have done it though? Yeah, just got sponsored. So. Yeah, why not? All right. Well, if you're you're not running in your sponsor's gear, if you're running for Team USA, the same reason you talked about with with Seidel, try to get two yeah, marathons true's in different next year. True's different. Well, I know he's Seidel, yes, yeah. he's old. He's older. He's older, but also he's new to the marathon. I don't know if he'd want to go and run it in the in a championship setting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But yeah, you're right. I guess I didn't catch that at the moment. I thought he was still one spot too far back, but and then I thought with Quebec being in front of him that would be enough. But yeah, you're right. So Benny gets bounced. So it's Rupp, Quebec, and Mikau there. I mean, choose in position if one of those guys decides to scratch. What's more impressive? Macau running 213 in Chicago to get sixth, or Ben True running 212 in New York to get seventh? True. Yeah. True. More impressive. So the, yeah. It's, so we, we, can, we can now just officially this say that exactly the selection process said. is flawed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is obvious because de- it depends on things such as Kennedy Sipakele. I mean, if he had DNF'd, or I just completely started walking, which totally was possible, that's impacting the U.S. selection, and that has nothing to do with the U.S. selection. But I still think True ran pretty well for a debut despite that. I don't think he was prioritizing the world championship team because he did stay so far back. I'm just saying. It doesn't matter. Early in the race. That one second... By uh, oh, you're right. Michaela should not be deciding our team. Anyway, I think it should have been like your finish, provided you're fin- you get to finish in the top 10, but it's based off your order behind Americans. So it should have been like mm. top of, so like it's Quebec was a one, True was a two, Nathan Martin was a three, and he compared, and so Colin Benny is a one because he was a top American. Rupp is a one. Whoever was the top second American, I guess, was Macau is a two. So therefore, it would be actually in this situation, it would go Rupp, Kibet, and Benny, which I think I would be more okay with. Take the top American in each. I think that would have been fair, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I Benny should be in over Macau. Which, that's listen. Long story short. The, the, the original flaw here is they announced the selection procedure during qualification. That's yeah, that's yeah. the problem with it. I mean, True was I'm, – I'm trying to just find other comparisons here. True was four and a half minutes back of the winner. Mikau was like seven minutes and 20 seconds back of the winner. I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing is flawed unless you decide to let them line up and run. I think people – would really want to see True run in that race because yeah. he's a guy moving up in distance and he had success on the track and people want to see the the track guy, how how well they can do in the marathon. And since he is later on in his career, you want to see more opportunities. But this could mean that he runs Boston in the spring and then in the fall he runs, maybe he runs a fast one. Maybe he runs uh, Berlin this time or maybe he runs Chicago and then we can see what he has in him. I just want to see, and you should never do it after one marathon because people can have big jumps up in performance. But I think about after three, you can predict pretty well what someone's future is, or at least their, their ceiling is going to be in the marathon. So I want to see him get two more in because we've seen Americans run 212 before. That's not common, but can he be a guy on a flat course who goes under 210? Under 209, well, that's a much smaller group. Okay. On Kibet, he's 38 years old, qualifies for the yep. World Championships. He was a, a guy who none of us were talking about. We were all talking about True, Drotty, Ward. Kibet um, kind of just in a similar way that we kind of no one was talking about Abdi Hamid, um, Abdi Abdurrahman uh, in, yep. for the Olympic trials. He just, oh yeah, forgot about that guy. Uh, once again, Kibet is that like under the radar man who comes in and finishes top five. He wasn't even like finishing sixth here. He finished top five, finished fourth, um, basically won that second group, right? Because the top three were all 209 or faster. He was the top guy in the 211 
world. So there's a big difference between third and fourth, but fourth place is fourth place. Uh, same position that Molly Seidel finished in on the women's side. And yep. uh, PB qualifies for the world champs, extending his career yet again to uh, yeah. into 2022 at age 38. Yeah, good run. Good run for him. I and mean, beat beat Olympic medalist and Kenny Spikele right behind him. So got some got some victories over some some big time runners. Nagi, I thought would be more of a factor, but maybe the combo of the Olympics was a little bit too much for him. Bikele, it didn't surprise me. We talked going in about why he should not be considered the favorite, and that makes a bunch of sense. I think this is kind of who he is now, third in Berlin and then sixth here against a, a tougher field. I think aside from that 201 in Berlin in 2019, his marathon career has been really up and down, to say the least. A lot of DNFs, a lot of DNSs, a lot of underperformances. People were putting crazy amounts of weight into how well he did in cross country to explain why he would do good in New York, which even if you've run those cross country races recently, doesn't make a ton of sense because hills on pavement are different over 26.2 miles than they are over a 10K cross country race. And then you factor in that we're talking about Bekele running cross country 20 years ago, 15 years ago, as if that's gonna matter. I mean, I think that's kind of ridiculous at this point to, to say that that matters. So he is he is who he is. I don't know what the plan will be for him in, in 2022, he's 40 years old. He'll be turning 40 that year. I don't know if there's gonna be a clear endpoint of this is it, but it just, it's hard to see him winning another major. Do you think we'll still see though a journalist or two write the the preview for his next marathon? Uh, yes. Bekele's Bekele says he's in world record shape because I feel like I yes. read that article every year. Bekele in world record shape. I in world record. Bekele Bekele yes. best shape ever. Yeah. And then this yes. Is what we get. <laughs> it will be. It will be written. I know the people who will write it. Just kidding. Um. I don't know if I like that as a betting favorite more than they talk about the rivalry between Kipchoge and Bekele in the marathon. And if that's like, I will literally throw my laptop into Town Lake here in Austin if I read an article about a rivalry between Bekele and Kipchoge. If you want to go back to the track, that's fine and say that. But that was eons ago at this point. It's not relevant. And they'll be racing. If they do race, they're going to race in the marathon, I assume. So that's a crazy crazy article that will be written i'm sure at some point what's his if you were him what would you do assuming you're Retire. still somewhat no just no well uh, do pull the Shalane flanagan try to get you know do the six marathons, six marathons run them all yeah. under 220 and then yeah. you'll be considered by people like you like the, the greatest thing you've ever done top 10 performance for sure of his career no i don't know if it's bekele he's got a lot of world records there. I, don't, I don't know if it would be the, the right route for him. Uh, let's see who else in the top 10 stood out. We mentioned True, Martin, Candy, 213.43. You know, we don't know what he's going to be. Is he going to be able to figure it out or is he going to be a half marathon guy for his whole career? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, but automatically assuming somebody who's awesome at 13 miles is going to be awesome at 26.2 there's been some some issues with that in the past and even you saw on the women's side yeshina she held it together I mean, she's run marathons before but she's better known as a half marathon because she's run 64 minutes but there's just no guarantee that she's going to be able to run um a comparable time in the in the full marathon same thing with candy it's his first one it's new york city it's a tough way to debut i'll give him a Mulligan. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to Valencia next year or on another fast course and rips something real quick. It's a tough initiation to the race to do it in, in New York City. But just a reminder, there's no guarantee you can run super fast in the half. and doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to pull it off for the full. I thought Ward, when it, Ward, was the, Ward was the fourth American. I thought that was actually kind of a good result for him after how rough his 2021 was. Or 20, my years are all confused after his 2020. Do you want to give a little bit of a shout out though to Nathan Martin? Kind of skipped over him right there, who finished great run. Eighth, great run, just four seconds back of true. So third American. Mm -hmm. People probably never 
I never heard of Nathan Martin. Uh, I looked him up, ran in the NAIA. So that, that's probably a big reason mm -hmm. why he wasn't part of the NCAA system. Ran at the Olympic trials. Uh, he won a bunch of NAIA titles. But one title he won at the NAIA was the marathon title. He won the yeah. NAIA marathon championship in 2-19-18. So just under 220. Um, and it got me thinking like, Hey, the, 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 was the fact that he was running a marathon in the back half of his college career help him set him up to be like a good marathoner, to be able to extend his career? I mean, he was in college in 2013. So it's, mm -hmm. it's eight years later, you know, he's, he's still running well, finishing top 10 in a major marathon. Mm -hmm. Should we be having an NCAA marathon championships? Maybe make it, hey, only juniors and seniors are allowed to run it or something like that because they don't want young 18-year-olds breaking their bodies. But it got me thinking, man. Is the NCAA missing out on an opportunity to create the uh, NCAA Marathon Championships? It would certainly be fun. And then you, maybe you'd get I, these people ID'd a little bit quicker. We talked about it yeah. post-graduate, having everybody run a half just to figure out who's got the ability for the, the roads. But why not the why not the whole thing what remember i think it was a couple of years ago because we were in the office i don't know if you were there i discovered that i think njcaa has a division is it division two njcaa three, three. They have a three they have a three and, and a one okay division three njcaa has a half marathon if i'm remembering this correctly because i found the video and was watching it i want to say Zuhar Talbi was in that race, and that's the reason why I, it came to my attention. And they're running just back and forth on a bike path. It was the strangest thing. It looked like it was it was a very low key, uh, thrown together running club half marathon, but it was for a, a national title. They had team scores and everything. It was it was incredible. Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? It's interesting. The NAIA is basically yeah, do it, do a marathon. Let's go. Let's, yeah, have at it. Um, all right, we only got a couple minutes left. Do you want to talk about these 5Ks? They're the USA 5K championships in New York City. Uh, first of all, pretty cool that Drew Hunter and Wayne Kalati both win. They were Foot Locker champions together, I believe back in 2015 it was, if I'm correct. Yeah, 2015. And now they're uh, road 5K champions together in the year of 2021. Um, so it's a little cool little tidbit between the connection between the two winners. Um, mm -hmm. I think the biggest story out of this, obviously Kaladi winning, she dominated. Kaladi is in great shape. We're, we're just waiting anxious, anxiously for Kaladi to be like, I'm ready to tackle the roads more, but she still has yeah. a young career. She just turned pro. Um, but she kind of swept the floor with the rest of the women on that, in that 5k. I think the men on the men's side, seeing Drew Hunter, at the top of a of results list. We haven't seen that in a very long time. He's been injured. He's been dealing with a lot of shit. Some people say, you know, the whole changing of coaches, you know, the Tinman elite situation with like, oh, and people kind of criticizing the changing of the name, the not changing the name, the, the coach getting fired, mm -hmm. switching over to Drew uh, Hunter's mom as the head coach, this, that, and the other thing. And just a lot of chaos kind of happening. And for him to kind of, deal with that over the past few months to now come out of it with a win. And, you know, you're being central again, it's an off season run. So it's not like this doesn't mean Drew Hunter is poised to yeah. be the next great 5k runner, but a win's a win. And, you know, having someone like central in that race shows that it was, you know, quality field. Some other guys who can make us finals in the respective track events. So for him to get yeah. the win shows that he's healthy and maybe we're we're back on seeing some more Drew Hunter in the track season kind of as another factor. I'm not sold yeah. yet, but we know his history shows. I mean, 2019, he made the team, got hurt, and then we haven't really seen him since. I mean, he ran like a, an indoor race here or there, but maybe this will be the year, 2022, will be the year where Hunter kind of reestablishes himself as one of the top guys and be in contention to be on the team and whether it's the 5k 
15 or 10K. I would, I would assume 5K is his best shot. It's 15, you know, there are a lot of young guns there who I don't think are going to lose a spot. 5K, I feel like it's the most open, but mainly because, you know, you look at someone like Fisher and Woody Kincaid, they have like the 10K as well. So like, Mm-hmm. You just you know there might be a situation where one of them has a bad race in the five, gets it back in the ten, so two more spots, one or two of them can open up. You know Paul's going to be there. Cooper Tier is still coming up, but if one of the Bowerman boys kind of has a bad day, Drew can kind of find a way to slide into a top three spot. Races like this, you don't want to put a bunch of weight on because you know that everybody is approaching it differently. But with Hunter. Just getting a victory has to feel so good. His last win, 2019, when they had that USA indoor race where he was in the oh, yeah. slower heat. Do you remember that? And then <laughs> yeah, he got heat. he got so he got the win overall out of the slow heat. Other than that, his last win, you have to go back to May 19th, 2018. And for someone like Hunter. You win everything in high school, right? And then you go pro, and then it gets real tough real quick. Because it's not like you're jumping in against easy fields. It's not like you're going into Europe and dominating. People who go to college, even if they go to college for a year or two, get to experience some winning for a little bit. Yeah, it might be in a dual meet or in a tactical race, but it feels good to win, especially when you're used to winning. And to go that long, with very few times crossing the line first has to get frustrating for a competitive person. You get buried in there. You're just another number. So I think this does, this does mean something. You throw the timeout, throw the competition out. I saw what get was second. And then it was sent or sorry, central was second. And then get was, was third, but Hey, finishing at a Matt central, is pretty good. That's pretty good. That's you feel good about doing that regardless of, of the distance for Kaladi. I know I've been big on Kalati for a while now. I'm still going to be big on Kalati because, again, throw the field out. She keeps just racking up huge margins and keeps running so aggressively. Eventually, that's going to translate into something big, I think. Will it be 10K on the track? Like, Will she do like Emily Sisson did in the trials this past year where she just goes from it, from, grows for it from the front and breaks everybody? Will it be eventually if she moves to the roads and she's a superstar? I just see that margin of victory there, Gordon. I'm sure in 1518, Grace Barnett second, 1545. Again, I don't really care about the field. It's a pretty solid field to be that confident, to run that aggressively, to win by 27 seconds. is That's like what she was doing at Mountain West Championships or what she was doing back yeah. in high school. She just transports it to whatever level she's in at the moment. And I say, I feel confident it's going to turn into something. You can't rack up wins this big um, over again, over and over again, and just be like, oh, well, I'm going to be eighth at the at the trials or whatever. Eventually, it's going to turn into something big, keeping all my way into Kaladi stock. Yeah, I mean, I I would have some stock for her to make the team in, in 2022. I think her 2021 trials performance, one was hot, so that could have affected her. But she wasn't sure she was going to be in the race until like the night before type situation. It just wasn't a normal buildup, I could assume. Yeah. So I think now that she'll go into 22 with an established, I know this is the date I need to be ready by. I'm ready to go. I know the competition. And uh, I think, you know, and sometimes the 10K gets easier too because not everyone's going to be doubling, right? Because it's yeah, the Olympics. You're taking every opportunity to get any spot because it's the Olympics. But in a world year, not it's not always the same that way. So it might not be as hard of a team to make never know so i i put her as a top five for sure you know like i think yeah i think her floor is like seventh sixth or fifth or something like that so Hmm. yeah i again and the the roads are gonna be really interesting no one is a sure bet at the marathon but i felt for a long time that she'd be really good at the marathon i think that's all that's all on wednesday we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the 8K versus 6K versus 10K NCAA cross country debate. It's been a week. I yeah, think it's well, time for us to weigh in. I think we need to weigh in now. Well, Everybody wants us to talk about it. 
this week we uh we the nca cross country show coming out tuesday where i will put the final projections out there of who's going to make the field of 31 wednesday we'll probably talk about it you'll give me your thoughts on it'll be basically our regional preview and then friday we're gonna do the podcast later in the day to do a live reaction because all the races happen friday morning so friday late morning early afternoon we'll go live and we will we'll announce the 31 team. So it'll be our Colas live show on Friday. So big cross-country week. Tuesday, cross-country show. Wednesday, you get to criticize the cross-country show. We talk more about mm-hmm. regionals. And then Friday, we do the mega live Colas selection show on this podcast, you and me. Hopefully, Colt's so- there. Hopefully, he figured out his time change mm-hmm. by then. Because daylight... 50-50. Apparently, daylight savings time for our producer... happens on a Monday and not on a Sunday. (laughs) So that's 2 p.m. Central, is that right? That's our time right now, 2 p.m. If it changes, we'll we'll update you on Wednesday if the change of time. But right now, we're we're going with 2 p.m. Central. Okay, so on Wednesday, we're not talking about the distance debate? Yeah, we can talk about it. Okay. Talk about distance and we'll also preview the regionals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we'll have a whole hour, assuming we start on time. Two topics. If Colt. Yeah, I got Colts. I got Colts number now. How'd you get Colts number, by the way? All of a sudden, it just popped up on my phone. That's, that's good to know. So, all right, he's playing the music. That means he wants us to stop talking about him. All right, we'll leave it there. Flowtrack Podcast uh, at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel. Check out the Incidentally Cross Country Show on the Flowtrack YouTube page, as well as the Race Breakdown series. I did Lieutenant 10 Sabet today's record. I did Stefan Asano and Jakob Ingebrigtsen. You can check those out. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.